Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler from the state of North Carolina with my co-host, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Cordo from the state of uh, Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we're grateful that you are tuning into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ who asked you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts, you can send my email. You send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can give me a call at Stevie B's Media Productions at the Carolina studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and study along with us here on the Gospel Light radio show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. So before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day. And placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we're prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-host Clay Phillips on the show this evening as he breaks unto our listeners the bread of life. And also my co-host Dr. Frank Washington as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We pray that 
Uh, you will bless them and their families that support their efforts that they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners this evening as as they tune in to this radio broadcast via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. For we recognize that without such a sacrifice, we will not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. For we pray to continue to bless us and keep us in love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, while we pray that you would save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to our broadcast this evening. In the first segment, my co-host Clay Phillips, he serves as the evangelist for the Rose City Church of Christ in Thomasville, Georgia. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And then in our second segment, we have a question from my shout-out platform on social media. And my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, he serves with the West Broward Church of Christ there in Plantation, Florida. He'll be answering our question in that segment. And those will be the only two speakers that we will have on the broadcast this evening. So open up your Bibles and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next one should be that of my co-host, Clay Phillips. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Let us gather 
listening to the gospel light radio show give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of jesus christ now my co-host clay phillips and his subject the habit of thinking good evening once again steve i want to thank you for allowing me to be able to come and preach god unadulterated truths and we're so thankful for those that tune in by radio, as well as those that uh, tune in on our Facebook page. And we're so thankful to be able that God allowed us to come. Now, I want to ask you to turn your Bible with me now to the book of James. James, the chapter is 4. And I want to read verse 11. And verse 12, James chapter 4, verse 11 and verse 12. And we find these words written, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judges thy brother? Thus is the reading of our scripture. Let me give you some contextual order here. James, the brother of Jesus, is reminiscing about the message that Jesus gave to his apostles. If you turn to the message and turn it now to Matthew chapter 7. So James is reminiscing about the message 
that Jesus gave. So now when you look at James chapter 4, again, you remember now he said, speak not evil one of another, brethren. Then he said, he that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law. Now, my subject is today is the habit of thinking, the habit of thinking. In other words, we ought to think more than we talk. <laughs> Can I get a witness up in here? We ought to have a habit of thinking. James give us a demonstration of how we ought to think before we speak. So that's why he says uh, in verse 11, notice the first two words, speak not. <laughs> speak not. Let me say it again. Speak not. If you have been thinking, you don't need to be speaking. So here James reminisce and in remembrance of what Jesus said and Jesus teaching. And those of us that are ministers of the gospel, preachers and teachers, we must be mindful to be slow to hear, slow to speak, and be swift to hear. And so we must understand. So the text here is giving us an analogy, and, and James is telling us, remember what my brother said. Now let me show that to you. What did his brother say? So in, in Matthew chapter 7, he says, uh, judge not that you be not judged. Now remember now, I, I want this to synchronize. This is called systematic theology. I want you to see it. Now, in verse 11 of James chapter 4, it says, Speak not evil one of another. Brethren, he that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. So here, James is saying we ought to have a more understanding on listening and hearing before we speak. And so here we ought to be thinking more. So we ought to develop a habit of thinking. So Jesus said, look at Jesus. Now judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge? Now Jesus is talking here. Judgment ye judge. You shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured unto you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thine brother's eye? And considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye. <laughs> Woo! Or how would thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold a beam. A beam <laughs> is in thy own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam that is in thine eye, and then shall thou see clearly to cast out the moat that is in thy brother's eye. He says, Give not that which is holy to the dogs, neither cast your pearl before swine, lest they triumph them under their feet, 
and turn again and renew, tear you apart. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and shall be opened unto you. So let's go back to James. Now look at the parallel here. James says, speak not evil. In other words, James has created a ability to remember and to think, to have the compassion to think. Make the habit of thinking before you talk too much. So he says, speak not. In other words, if you haven't been thinking, you shut up. You keep your mouth closed. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, <coughs> he that speaketh evil of his brother, Know what it says. Judge his brother. You do what Jesus told you not to do. If you speak evil of your brother, you're doing what Jesus had told his disciples not to do. He told them not to do it. Judge not, that you be not judged. But here we find James, the brother of Jesus, is telling us he's a listen. He said, speak not. Now, understand this. Understand this. Um, when we look at the habit of thinking, we look at the habit of thinking, thinking develops what, who we are and what we do. Turn with me now to Philippians. Everybody turn the Bible to Philippians chapter uh, 4. Philippians chapter 4. And the verse is, we'll start reading at verse Five, you save some time. Okay, Philippians chapter 4, and the verse is number 5. Know what the Bible says. It says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. So now what he's telling us, let your moderation. Now when you look at the word moderation, moderation is to think or your opinion. He said, let your opinion, let your moderation, let your thinking be known unto all men. In other words, be honest. Be open. Your moderation. Be known to all men. Why? He says, now, uh, now Paul says, you need to understand, the Lord is with you. The Lord knows. <laughs> God knows everything. God knows. Let your moderation be known to everybody. Then he goes and says, be careful for nothing. In other words, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't, don't go into a discussion, don't go into something with an argumentative attitude. He said, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, hello, and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In other words, before you advocate, before you exercise your opinion or your thinking, you need to realize God is with you. Notice in verse number 7 of Philippians chapter 4. And the peace of God, this is what it, we understand. This is what we are trying to produce. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. Through Christ Jesus, 
Hello? The peace of God which passes all the... You, you can't get an understanding better than this. So James, in James chapter 4, is telling us, listen, speak not evil against that brother. Who made your judge over him? Then it says, now this is, the, this is the positive of thinking. Positive thinking. Finally. In other words, finally here doesn't mean the, the ending. What finally means is that now we can produce. In other words, when you learn how to think, <laughs> when you learn to keep your mouth closed, speak not. When you learn not to speak so fast, speak not. When you learn not to criticize everybody, speak not. Ebell. When you learn how to, uh, finally, brethren, what sort of thing are true? What sort of thing are honest? What sort of thing are just? What sort of thing are pure? What sort of thing are lovely? What sort of thing are good report? If there be any virtue, in other words, if you got any Jesus up with you, so Jesus came to say, Bible says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him world might be saved. Through him what? The peace of God. Finally, we can develop these tools. It says, and if there be any praise, now listen, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, I want you to understand, there are three things that James deal with. The three uh, homiletics that he brings forth in the text. Number one, Roman number one, the power of criticism. He deals with the power of criticism. Number two, I'm going to give them to you, then we'll come back and, and talk about it. Number two, he deals with the consideration for our brother. The consideration for our brother. And then number three, he deal with the conduct on becoming a Christian. The conduct on becoming a Christian. So let us look at this. Let's get a handle on this. Understand now, criticism, criticism is a powerful human emotion because a lot of us want to criticize. We see somebody do something wrong, we want to say it. First thing by nature we don't do is look inwardly. We don't look inwardly because we have a self-righteous motivation. We don't think. We're not focused. We don't have a habit of thinking that that could have been me. That could have been me. So the human nature, let, let me show it to you. Turn, turn to uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to read verse number 6. Start reading at verse number 6, Hebrews chapter 12, and the verses number 6. And the Bible says, notice what the Bible says now, for whom the Lord loveth, he chaseth it, and scorn it, every son whom he receiveth. 
So we understand there must be discipline. So he's not teaching against discipline. What he's teaching is that he's not teaching against criticism. What he's teaching is that criticism must be used as a mission of blessing. In other words, the only reason you want to criticize somebody is that that criticism must be used as a mission of blessing. In other words, iron sharpens iron. Don't be weak now when somebody comes after you. See, most people that are, are paper, most issues in churches are people who make the ministry difficult. It's people that run their mouth too much, that don't think, don't have a habit of thinking. They love to talk, love to tell their things. They don't even consider what the Bible says. They don't consider what Jesus said. If you have an ought against thy brother, go to him and him alone. And, and if and he hear you, you should gain your brother. The whole objective of criticism is to gain thy brother. It is a mission of blessing. It is to, to produce. Notice now, back to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 7, if ye endure chastising, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chases not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye become without a father or not a son. Furthermore, we have fathers of the flesh which correct us. Notice now, the, the writer of Hebrew is saying we have fathers of the flesh that correct us. You understand, your fathers discipline you. And we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of the spirit and of life? For they barely for a few days chasing us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of the holiness. The whole objective of criticizing is for the blessing. It is a mission of blessing. All through the Bible, we can find where God disciplined his people for the mission of blessing them. In verse 11, now no chasing is for the present seemeth. To be joyous. You know, when I don't joy, I don't rejoice over the spanking, the whooping that I get, but grievous. Nevertheless, after it yielded the precious, listen, the precious fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So have you recognized Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. What are your purpose? So yes, we ought to criticize. Yes, criticism is good. Yes, we need to make sure that everybody understands that. Now, what we ought to do, listen, what we ought to do as, as children of God, when we, when we look now, go back to James, the turn out by the James, is says, speak not. Learn not to be so swift that run your mouth. Speak not. That's the only way you're not going to be, have evil one of another. 
brethren, he that speaketh evil of his brother. So now understand this. Understand this. You ought to be determined. Listen to me. Let me help you out. We, let me say not you. We ought to be determined not, listen, not to slam the phone down on one another. <laughs> God help us up in here. You, we ought to be determined. You ought to make up with your mind. If I'm going to talk to them, if I'm going to encourage them, if I'm going to uh, influence them to do what's right, I'm not going to slam the phone down if I don't like what they say. Number two, you are not, you are not to be uh, the silent treatment. And then there are so many of us that get, I, I'm just going to leave out and about this. Okay, okay. Now understand this. It says speak. Now let me say this. Two things I want to recognize up under the consideration for the brother. A and B. Number one, it is, it is right. Listen to this. It is right to tell someone they have done wrong. Let me say that again. It is right to tell someone that they have done wrong. Number two, God reserved the exclusive right of determining what is evil and what is bad, good. Now, understand it. Let me say this again. It is right. The Bible says, turn to, turn to Galatians. Everybody turn to the Bible now to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. Brethren, <laughs> brethren, if a man be overtaken the fault, ye which are spiritual, whoo, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I tell you what God said, I will challenge you. You better be mindful how you go after people. How you got individuals? You better, you better put on the habit of thinking before you act. It says in verse number two, bear you one another burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think, whew, if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man. Prove his own works. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in others. Why are you trying to, why are you bothering that? Unless you really want to help him or help them. For every man, for every man shall bear his own burdens. Look what it says then. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word <laughs> communicate. Now, now, the word communicate here means to share with. It doesn't mean to jump on somebody and beat them up. Communicate means to share with. Because all of us have something that we don't, we struggle with. Everybody. Now, unless Romans 3, 6, Romans, uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 is lying, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, unless that Paul lied. Heard Paul say, I, I, I want you to understand. He said, that which I would do, I don't do. That what I shouldn't be doing, I find myself doing. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, 
I'm struggling. And, and, and those of us that are ministers, that are preachers, that are teachers, that are leaders in the body of Christ, we must understand people go through some stuff. And from time to time, you better hear this, we do too. We all struggle with something. That's why angels don't come and preach to us. God used the vessel that waste go in. Woo. Let me read you further. Let him that is taught in the word. And if you're not taught in the word, keep your mouth closed. Stop speaking. Speak not evil. Because you're speaking evil, you're not taught in the word. Let him that taught in the word communicate unto him and teach. Notice what it says. That teaches in all good things. Then it, it warned us. Give us a warning. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. But what so man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Let's go back to our text. Let's turn back to our text. So speak not. Speak not. Uh, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Turn to Deuteronomy. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Numbers and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, the chapter is uh, uh, 32 and 39. Right in the Bible now. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 39. Uh, I hope I'm helping somebody here. I hope I'm helping you uh, understand that uh, think before you start running your mouth. Make a habit of thinking. Now, the Bible says in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, 32 and verse number 39, it says, to me, Belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand. And the things that shall come upon them make haste. In other words, God says, you, You're not deceiving me. You, you, you're not mine. I'm not, you can't deceive me. I know everything because I know everything. So he said, speak not. Let, let me say this here. Let me say this here. Only God have the ability or have the right, that reserve, exclusive right, <laughs> to criticize anybody. Now, now, now notice what it says. Let's, let's go back to James. It says, verse 11, James chapter 4, verse 11, speak not evil one of another brother. He that speaketh evil of his brother, notice what it says, he that speaketh evil of his brother, and judges his brother, what there he do? Speak evil of the law. In other words, God gave the law. Who, who do you think you are? God gave the law. So Jesus told you now, don't do that. Then it says, and speak evil of the law. And judge the law. You actually judging the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Now Jesus always asks you, who made you a judge? Or divided over anybody? And so we need to start thinking. Sometimes we can be judging ourselves and start thinking that we're somebody. Paul said in First Corinthians chapter eight, verse number two, he says, "None of us know as we ought to know." He said, love 
uh, this is what we ought to have. But knowledge puff it up. And too many of us are getting too smart for ourselves. That's why that's why he says, James going and says, he said, but if thou judge the law, thou art a doer of the law, but not a judge. But notice in verse number 12, there is one lawgiver, only God has the right, who is able, listen, listen, who is able to save and to destroy. See, that's why when I talk to atheists, when I'm be talking to guys that I don't believe in God, okay then, all right, all right. Why God, if there's a God, why do we allow evil in the world? Why did God, if God was so good, why did God command Saul to go in there and kill babies? If God's so good, why did God command uh, Saul? And then he kicked Saul out for being the king because Saul didn't kill everybody or everything. What? That's the evil God. No, 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 my friend. You just don't understand. You have, uh, are not thinking. <laughs> you don't have a habit of thinking. Let, let, let me tell you now. Because give us the answer right here. Let, let me show it to you. Give us the answer right here. It says, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. <laughs> who art thou that judges another? In other words, James says, you need to understand that God, there's only one person that can kill and bring alive. The reason why God said kill somebody, because killing is, a, is no issue with God. <laughs> somebody need to tell you he can raise the dead. Whoa! <laughs> How can God be so evil? God is evil to command Saul. No, no, no. Saul, you obey God. Because God, one day, going to raise everybody up from the dead. What you talking about? God had the right. Let me read it again. Here, James said, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. He walked up to Lazarus and said, where you laying there, man? The sister crying. He came on. And he said, I'll oh, calm down. He said, he, uh, Lazarus said, Jesus, calm down. Let me get there. When it, Pilate said when he got there, and when this, uh, Mary Dean come out the door, I can't stand it. Even if it came on time, he wouldn't have died. You know, do y'all know I'm the resurrection? You ain't thinking. I am the resurrection. Show me where you live. Lazarus come forth and came forth. So that's what, that's what I mean here. It says, notice now, there's one lawgiver who is able, who is able, who, notice what it says now, who is able to save and to destroy. That's why God can say kill. You remember God told Abram, before he became Abraham, take your boy to the mountain and sacrifice him. Why? Because uh, the false uh, teachers and the false doctrine and, and, and idolatry was going on, and they were sacrificing their babies. And the Bible says God tested Abram, and Abram would have killed him because Abram trusts God enough that if he can make a lie, he can bring him back. Good God Almighty. And the reason why God wanted Saul to kill all of the Canaanites because they were sacrificing kids. He was being just. He was being evil because he got the power to save and to destroy. 
Who art thou that judges another? So now, so now, in the last thing, uh, conduct not becoming a Christian. Conduct not becoming a Christian. Um, the man is a uh, image of God. <laughs> God help me now. I, I want you to get this because this 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 deep man is created in the image of God. That's why God wants us to act certain ways. The same way we want our children to act and don't act up on us. God don't want his children to act up. So uh, God created man. So God is saying, listen, this is what he said. No, turn to Romans. Everybody turn to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Let me show it to you. Romans chapter 12 and the verse is number 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, reasonable service there in the exegetical study means rational thinking. <laughs> Let the Bible speak, Brother Phillips. It means rational thinking. It means to make a habit of thinking. Then it going to say, and be not conformed to this world. Why? Because this world, all it do is speak evil. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now notice what it says, the perfect will of God. Let's go back to James chapter 4. Now, in, uh, in verse number 13 through verse 17, and uh, I hope I got enough time to just uh, wrap this up right quick. Like, from verse 13 to verse 17, it deals with the, uh, the, the conduct unbecoming a Christian. In other words, notice what it says in verse 13. It says, Go ye now, ye that say, tomorrow, we will go in such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and gain. Then it says, whereas ye know not what shall be on tomorrow. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and shall vanish away. But notice in verse number 15. And that ye ought to say, if the Lord will. We will live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boasting. All such boasting is evil. So he, he, notice now, what he does here, he shows us how a Christian ought not to be. A child of God ought not to be. So when you back up, notice now in verse 17, let me, let me put verse 17 up, then we're back up to verse 13. Verse 17 says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and does or doeth it not, it is sin. Now, there's, there's two things you need to understand in the text, in the exegetical study. Number one, to do good. To do good means to inquire or include God. So here in our thinking, so he gives us an example of an individual 
that is venturing out and trying to make a living. And what they're trying to do, they're trying to increase their earnings. So now God said, listen, I want you to increase your earnings. He's not teaching us not to go to prepare or to anticipate that you'll be alive tomorrow. What he's saying is, in your anticipation, you ought to make sure the will of God is there. Woo. So it says in verse 17, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good. So now if you know to do good, he that knows to do good, what he does? He includes God. Then it says, and doeth it not. The one that doeth it not, he uh, omit God. So the, the issue here is, God is saying, James is saying, it just, understand, in your thinking, it is our thinking that help us do good. It is our thinking that help us put God into what we're doing. If the Lord's will, he's not telling us, don't prepare for tomorrow, don't anticipate on living, I'm, I'm, I'm 63 years old. I am anticipating on living tomorrow. Now, God might take me tonight, but I'm not going to omit God from my desire to be alive tomorrow. Woo, good God Almighty. <laughs> then he says, then he said, let's go back now to verse 13. Go ye not, ye that say tomorrow, you will do this or that in the city and continue in the city, whereas ye have known not what tomorrow shall bring, but notice what it says. And then in my conclusion, i got to stop right here. What is your life? Come here. Come to me. Come to me. What is your life? It is even a vapor Ooh, that appears for a little time and then vanish away. Now, let me tell you what that means. Let me tell you a secret. What that means. What is your life. It is teaching us the nature. Now, now, now catch on now, catch on. It's teaching us the nature of God. Teaching, guiding us through this world. The, notice now, James is saying that we need to understand the nature of life. When you understand the nature of life, it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and boosh, vanish away. That's the nature of life. In other words, when I was young, my grandfather, I remember my grandfather telling me, he said, boy, you, uh, enjoy your life now while you got it because before long, it'll be gone. I'm telling you, now I know what it means. Life even as a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanish away. It teaches the primary truth of nature is high. Is Job even talked about it. In Job chapter 7, read Job chapter 7. He said, I remember. I remember. Job talked about, the Bible explained about how Job was a good man out of all, how God dealt with Job. And Job had, he was rich, rich man. And the Bible says that he prayed for his children, just in case they have cursed God in their heart. So this is what it says. Life is a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. You better think. You better learn to think. Have a habit of thinking. Don't think you now. All that and some more and some peanut butter and jelly. I know. 
Ask of I know. And may God bless you. Uh, I'm your speaker, Brother Clay Phillip. Remember this. Keep it real. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
so I need my Help me know the right word to say to the enemy. Help me to shame love in the middle, in the middle of the night. Lord, I need your song. In the middle, in the middle of the night. When I'm in the middle. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the portion of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out. And we want to pose this question to my co-host, and we also want to encourage our listeners to join our Facebook uh, group there on Facebook and get involved in those biblical discussions. Now, my co-host on the show, Dr. Frank Washington. How you doing, Dr. Frank? <laughs> I'm doing good, Brother Stevie. How are you? I'm doing just fine. We got a doozy for you here on the broadcast this evening. Now, this question is from an anonymous querist from the state of Alabama. And the question is, since Acts chapter 3 is after Acts chapter 2, why is the times of refreshing spoken of as a future event for the one who repents and is converted? What say you to this question? Well, thank you, Brother Stevie, and thank you for your listening audience, and thank you for uh, the caller or the the query person from uh, Alabama who sent in this uh, very good question. Uh, I had to really, really think about this question quite a bit uh, over the few days I had time to prepare for it. Uh, But again, it's a good question to ask, and it brings about some interesting uh, thoughts about uh, is this talking, is Acts chapter 3 talking about Uh, something in the future. Well, let's get right down to it. The contrast between Acts 2 and Acts 3 is is very interesting. Uh, We find Peter the preacher, um, Peter the personal worker, multitudes, one poor man, uh, ministry resulting in blessing, ministry resulting in arrest and persecution. And so the events in Acts 3 are an illustration of the last phrase uh, in Acts chapter 2, 47. It's showing us that the Lord added to his number daily. King James Version for the older 
the uh, Christians out there, added to the church daily. Uh, but while the Holy Spirit is not named in chapter 3, he is certainly worked in and through the apostles performing his ministry and uh, also glorifying uh, Jesus Christ. But so the events in Acts chapter 3 begins with leading to the healing of the lame beggar, which drew a crowd around uh, the three men. Solomon's porch on the east side of the temple was a corridor where our Lord had ministered in John chapter 10, verse 23, and where the church worshiped. Now, in his sermon, in Peter's sermon at Pentecost, Peter had to refute the accusation that the believers were drunk. That's Acts chapter 2. In this sermon, Acts chapter 3, he had to refute the notion that he and John had healed the man by their own power. Uh, Paul and Barnabas would face a similar situation after healing the lame man in Acts chapter 14 and uh, verse 8, once uh, you get down to there. But Peter immediately identified the source of the miracle, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Wisely, Peter said that this was the son of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. And so the Spirit certainly gave Peter boldness as he reminded uh, the Jews of the uh, way they had treated Jesus. They had denied him, uh, delivered him up to be crucified. Even worse, they had asked for a guilty man, Barabbas, to be set free so that an innocent prisoner might be crucified. So in order to convince them of their crimes, Peter used several different names and titles for our Lord, God's Son, Jesus, the Holy One, so on and so forth. And this was no ordinary man that they had handed over to the Romans to crucify. Listen to this. Calvary may have been man's last word, but the enemy, but the empty tomb was God's last word. He glorified his son by raising him from the dead and taking him back uh, to glory. Now, the enthroned Christ had sent his Holy Spirit and was working through his church. The healed beggar was proof that Jesus was alive. If ever a people were guilty, it was the people Peter addressed in that temple. They were guilty of killing their own Messiah. Listen, there must be conviction before a sinner can experience conversion. You know, unless you go to a doctor, unless that patient is convinced that he or she is sick, he or she will never accept the diagnosis or take the treatment. And so Peter turned the temple into a courtroom and laid all the evidence out for everybody to see. So how could two ordinary fishermen perform such a great miracle unless God was with them? Nobody would dare deny the miracle because the beggars stood there before them in perfect soundness. Now, I'm getting to the question. In, in, in verse number 19 and 20, Peter gave the call to repentance in verse 19, and he did it with two expressions. One is repent, and that Greek word metaneo, and turn to God. The Jerusalem Jews were to have a complete change of mind, turning from their rejection of Christ and turning or returning to God. Now, in rejection or in rejecting God's Messiah, they had rejected thinking the Messiah would thus be a return to God. Now, in verses 19b and 20, 
Peter gave a threefold result of their repentance. If they repented, here is the result. One, their sins would be forgiven. Two, the time, times of refreshing would come upon them. And three, God would send the Messiah whom he had uh, appointed for them. And so the forgiveness of sin is clear enough. Throughout Acts, repentance is closely, closely connected to forgiveness. Indeed, it's the basis for forgiveness, according to uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. But let me give you some more background here. In the Old Testament law, there's a difference between deliberate sins and the sins of ignorance. Uh, in the Old Testament, Leviticus 4 through 5 and Numbers 15 through 20, 15, 22 to 31, the person who sinned presumptuously was a rebel against God and was guilty of a great sin, cut off from his people, which could mean excommunication, and it could mean even death. Now, the defiant, high-handed sinner was condemned, but the person who sinned unwittingly and without deliberate intent was given opportunity to repent and seek God's forgiveness. Ignorance does not remove the sinner's guilt. Let me say that again. Ignorance does not remove the sinner's guilt. You can't say, oh, I didn't know that that was a sin. Ignorance does not remove the sinner's guilt, but it does mitigate the circumstances. All right? So the main sin Peter laid upon the Jews, the the, the Jerusalem Jews, was their sin of ignorance in rejecting Jesus Christ. True forgiveness, true forgiveness could only have come from their turning to God by accepting Jesus Christ. Then only would the times of refreshing come from the Lord. Now, the times of refreshing is kind of difficult. There are many, there are several different opinions about this from commentators and scholars. But the basic meaning of the word is the cooling off that comes from blowing. If you've ever been in the hot sun and all of a sudden you get this cool breeze, it's like a refreshment or, or, or something that is refreshing that you receive. But this rare biblical word occurs only here and once in the Septuagint, now Exodus 8 and 11, where it refers to the relief that comes to Egypt after the plague uh, of the frog cease. But what is unclear is whether it indicates a temporary period of respite during the period of Messianic woes preceding the end times or whether it pictures the final time itself. Probably, you know, it could be the latter is intended, but the term is likely synonymous with the concept of restoration that we see and read in verse 21 and reflects Jewish Messianic expectation. This, however, or was particularly appropriate to Peter's sermon to the Jews in the temple square. The same can be said of the third result of their repentance, God sending the Messiah to them. This seems to reflect the common Jewish expectation that the Messiah would only come on the repentance of Israel. Now, the reference is truly to the Messiah, as the presence of the articles indicate, the Christ, the anointed one. He is described as having been anointed for you, to, in, uh, i.e. the Jews. So in verse 21, we find the conclusion of this context of what Peter is talking about. Peter's appeal, he concludes, with an explanation for why the Messiah was not then present, because he was now in heaven. So he must remain in heaven until the final time when God will restore everything. 
The best commentary on this context is found in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 6 through 11. So if you have the time, uh, go ahead and read that. But the concept of restoration is basically the same as that about which the disciples question in verse 6. So the Messiah's present location in heaven uh, presupposes the ascension and return um, at his parousia in verse number 9. So the question still remains, does 319 presuppose a Jewish messianic concept that understood the first coming of the Messiah as being predicated upon the repentance of Israel? Times of refreshing. The passage could surely be viewed if taken in isolation from its context. But in the context of Peter's sermon, however, something else quite differently is expressed. The difference lies in the reference at the opening of his sermon of Jesus' death and resurrection, which is the Messiah indeed has come as the glorified servant, the holy and righteous one of God. But the Jerusalem Jews did not receive him as Messiah. They disowned him. He is indeed the Messiah appointed by God, but they failed to recognize and receive him as their Messiah. So Jesus will come again to restore his kingdom. Whether that will be the time of refreshing for Israel depends very much on their repentance and reception of Jesus uh, as their Lord and Savior. But what's true of the Jews on Solomon's colonnade still holds true today. Only when you receive Jesus Christ by repentance and turning to him, there is forgiveness, there is refreshing, and there is restoration. And so if you review the Acts, uh, this this section of Acts, you're going to find quite a few things uh, in here that we can use as sermonic, and that is, This is all about witnessing. Peter took an opportunity to witness the power of Jesus Christ by healing that lame man. In Acts chapter 2, Peter did another sermon, the first sermon on the day of Pentecost, which brought about 3,000 souls. What is this about in Acts chapter 3? Acts chapter 3 is about witnessing. It is about repentance. It is about Uh, removing sin from your life. So as you remove uh, or review this section of Acts, uh, you can't help but but, but be impressed with some practical truths that should encourage every one of us, all of us who are believers, uh, to witness more for Jesus Christ. For all of us in our witnessing for Jesus Christ, we we should be doing more for Christ because he has done more uh, for us. There are several things here I I want to point out here. One, God is long-suffering and lost with sinners. That's a reason that should encourage all of us in our witnessing for Christ. God is long-suffering with lost sinners. He was long-suffering with you. He was long-suffering with me. He was long-suffering with, uh, you know, your friends and my friends. The leaders of Israel had rejected the ministry of John the Baptist and the ministry of Jesus, and yet God gave them another opportunity to repent. And be saved Aren't you glad that God gave you another opportunity Number two True witness involves The bad news of sin and guilt As well as the good news of salvation Through faith uh, in Jesus Christ Number three The way to reach the masses Is by helping the individual sinner Peter and John won the crippled beggar uh, And his transformed life Led to the conversion of 2,000 men The servants of God Who has no time for personal work 
when individual sinners will not be given many opportunities for ministering to great crowds. Let me say that again. The servant of God who has no time for personal work or personal ministry with individual sinners will not be given many opportunities for ministering to great crowds or small crowds. Now, number four, the best defense of the truth in faith is a changed life. The healed beggar was exhibit A in Peter's defense of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In his evangelistic ministry, the Methodist preacher Samuel Chadwick used to say that Lazarus in every campaign, some great sinner whose conversion would shock the community. Now, listen, when we go out, the best defense of the truth of a good Christian life is your and my changed life. If people can see or hear or understand that our lives have changed because we have put our faith and our life in Jesus Christ, that's well worth more than hearing an hour-long sermon. So has your life changed because you have become a child of God? That's number four. Number five, whenever God blesses, Satan shows up to oppose the work and silence the witness. And often he uses religious people and sometimes non-religious people uh, to do his work. You know, you, you all know uh, or have heard or have read in these last few days uh, a statement made by Denzel Washington that is, at your highest moment, be careful. That's when the devil comes for you. And, and that is so true. As a child of God, uh, the same crowd that opposed the ministry of Jesus Christ also opposed the work of the apostles. And if uh, you are a child of God, the devil will try. The devil will try his best uh, to put you or make you uh, uh, look really bad uh, in front of others. But don't let that stop you. The important thing is not that we are comfortable, but that uh, the name of Jesus is glorified through the teaching and the preaching uh, of the gospel. Number six, God has promised to bless and use his word. So let's be faithful to witness. God has promised to bless us and as we use his word. So let's be faithful to witness. Even Jesus prayed that our witness uh, would have success. And then finally, number seven, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Oh, man, that, that, that's powerful right there. The name of Jesus. Brother Clay talked about that. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus Christ still has power. There is power in his name the power of his name, so that people might believe. While we may not perform the same, the same way today that was seen in the early church, we can still claim the authority of Jesus Christ uh, as he was instructed us or he has instructed us uh, in, uh, in the word. We can preach remission of sin in his name so that people might believe and have life through his name. We can give someone a cup of cold water, as, as, it, as they used to say, in his name. We can help someone financially in his name. We can receive a child in his name. And you know, there's some folk out there that really need prayer right now. Uh, and you all know who I'm talking about. A lot of folk need, need, need help right now. And the only way they're going to get that help is going to be through God's name, through the name of Jesus Christ. And we have to pray in, God, in Jesus' name that 
those people and individuals that you know and, and people who need help and need, need the Lord, we need to pray for them and call out his name and do it in his name. And it may not be popular. It may not look like something, you know, you may want to do in public, but uh, we have to do it as children of God. We cannot be ashamed of going out and uh, giving praise uh, to the name of Jesus. So is uh, the times of refreshing a future incident or instance, uh, well, take your Bible, check it out. Let's see what you think about that. The Bible will not contradict itself. It will not contradict itself. So when you realize and read that uh, whether the time of refreshing uh, for Israel depends very much on their repentance, and that's who he was talking to at that time, what is true today is receiving Jesus Christ in your life today by repentance and turning to him, there will be forgiveness of your sins, refreshing, and restoration this lesson helped i hope this uh question was answered it's a very good question and i want to thank you for taking the time ladies and gentlemen for listening uh want you to also stay in god's grip god bless you and may he bless you real good shout it out question you're listening to the gospel light radio show Oh, mm-hmm. 
listening to the gospel light radio show ladies and gentlemen i want to thank you for tuning into our broadcast this evening we certainly appreciate those who are following our radio show on blog talk radio as well as on social media also on facebook live i want to thank my co-host clay phillips for that excellent job he, he did with the subject of the habit of thinking always appreciate the efforts of brother clay on this broadcast powerful preacher here in our brotherhood. So we certainly appreciate his efforts. I also want to thank my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, always very thorough in his answers and answering our questions on this broadcast. We certainly appreciate the question come that came from an anonymous query from the state of Alabama. I believe, do believe that's where that question came from. Really do appreciate his efforts as well. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just so thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast. And it is our prayer that the lessons that were given on this radio show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives. And your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in this radio show, but you're giving yourself over to, you're giving yourself over to a study of God's word. I'm your host, Stevie Arbol, and I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It ain't easy. Sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord. Sometimes it gets rough, so rough. 
You've been listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show, episode 261. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Blowing my mind every 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.